Welcome to Mindful Social, the show that intersects mindfulness and emotional intelligence with the hectic online world we live in today. Dr. Fred Luskin is the director of Stanford University's Forgiveness Projects and associate professor at the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. He's done extensive research on the training and measurement of forgiveness therapy, a powerful method in which the emphasis is on letting go of hurt, helplessness, and anger while increasing confidence, hope, and happiness. He's the author of several books, including Forgive for Good and Stress-Free for Good. I'm so excited to have Fred on the show today. Stay tuned. Welcome, everybody, to Mindful Social. I'd like you to meet Dr. Fred Luskin, and we're going to go ahead and jump right into some questions. And one of the most basic ones is, what is forgiveness? I mean, the dictionaries talk about, like, giving up your sense of being aggrieved and forswearing, like, revenge. Um, We have a much, I don't know if it's simpler, but our definition is making peace with the word no. Mm. And so since our our work was entirely pragmatic and kind of, um, you know, let's teach people how to do this, we tried to find the definition that would fit um, the hundreds of different offenses that people came in with. And they all were based on the fact that life presented them with something they didn't want. And they couldn't make peace with it. And they spent extra portions of their life objecting to what had been given to them. Mm. So the, the two pieces are the degree of acceptance and the degree of objection. And the stronger one or both of them are, the more you like, the, the more you ruin your life. So, you know, if you get a partner that lies to you and, you know, you, after a while you make some peace with the fact that people lie, then you've enhanced acceptance. If you never make peace with that and keep on saying, you know, partners need to tell the truth, partners shouldn't lie, partners are terrible, then you're keeping the objection going loud and clear. And forgiveness is kind of the decision and then the practice to stop fighting your own life. So the need to forgive is really based on judgment. I mean, on our internal judgment, not necessarily an external judgment. Right. But if we didn't, if we weren't judgmental about the behavior of others, would we have a need to forgive? Well, there's also judgment about our own behavior. True. judgment about what's fair, judgment about the way God should or shouldn't be. So it's not just judgment about others' actions. Some of it's self-judgment and others is more existential judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think around that comes most of our addiction to our opinions. Like, we're all so in love with our points of view (laughs) that we will literally kill ourselves to hold on to them. Right. And so, I I mean, again, we all do this. 
we get on 101 and there's too much traffic, so we make a judgment, as you say, that there should be less traffic or a judgment that I'm such a wonderful human being, the traffic should part, or a a kind of judgment that somebody as fantastic as me should never suffer. Oh, those are all judgments, but the opinion around it, we we tenaciously hold and don't investigate them. Right, because that would actually take introspection. Introspection and even more deeply humility. Mm. Yeah. So introspection is something that most people do not like. Humility is even less well-received. So when we are in a position um, where we feel the need to forgive someone, how do we, or something, or ourselves? Exactly. How do we do that? How does that start? Well, you just talked about the start. I mean, it all starts with some awareness that I myself am hurting myself. Mm. That what my experience has been is that at some point, some people get more tired of their way of doing the world than they do of the world. And that's when forgiveness can peak out. So most of us go through our whole lives thinking that our opinions and judgments about things are the last word. Mm -hmm. That's just it. Some people recognize that their repetitive opinions and judgments are poisoning themselves. And so they say, well, wait a second. (laughs) This thing happened 11 years ago, and I'm still shooting myself in the foot all along by arguing with it and complaining about it and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I need to stop that. So that that would be the first decision and the first awareness. Mm-hmm. I need to stop doing something inside of me. And some of that comes from you're recognizing that you're hurting yourself. And, you know, sometimes those wounds can go way, way back. Um, and... So part of it is recognizing every time it, it arises and then decide, making a decision to forgive? I, I don't think the cognition that it goes way, way back is helpful. Mm-hmm. What's helpful is there's a wound here now that I'm contributing to. And if you, if you think too often that it's caused by the past, I think One, it makes it harder, but two, it it forms as a kind of excuse to not look more clearly about the current ways that we're holding our own experience. So even saying that it's from the past is a current way of holding past experience. Hmm, Okay, yeah. And so the truth is right now, the sum total of my learnings and abilities and capacities manifests itself in certain experiences. If I want to change some of those experiences, I have to make that decision right now to do something. Right, because our experience is only in this moment, really. And if we just just keep revisiting it and bringing it back into this moment? Exactly. Mm. And the more our schema are based on 
the past and who did wrong and all this other stuff, the harder it is to be in the moment and make some kind of decision to let negativity go, to give people a break, to um, maybe be more grateful, all the things that we can do instead of holding and repeating the grudge. Mm -hmm. And hitting ourselves in the face with a brick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then saying, I wouldn't be hitting myself in the face in the brick if I didn't have those terrible parents. Mm -hmm. Which to me is idiotic. Right. Yeah. I have to tell parents that instructed you to hit yourself in the face with a brick. <laughs> or if they did, okay, I'd have I mean, to forgive that too. <laughs> let, let's just say the one in 10 million parents who said, when you get to be 40, hit yourself in the face with a brick, those people can blame it on their parents. <laughs> the rest of us, probably not so much. Mm. Now, I've heard so many stories over the years of forgiveness um, that just really make all of the things that I have to forgive so small. And I recently interviewed some students at San Jose State who had gone on a school trip to Rwanda. And wow. <laughs> they told me the most amazing stories of the things that they saw there. For example, when someone went to jail for committing some of the acts of genocide, um, they are required to apologize to the family on their release. And in this particular town that they were in, when someone who had done that comes back and apologizes to the family, the town itself gets together and builds this person a house so that they live next to each other. The stories just, it still really just makes me, makes me feel really humble and amazed and, at what they were able to and do. we're supposed to do the same. Mm-hmm. That's part of whatever, whatever spirit is, whatever the higher order forces are, that's what they tell us. That's a really high bar, Fred. That's a really high bar. <laughs> I can't imagine going through that. And not feeling vengeful. And, and I am not typically a vengeful person, but gosh, that's hard. Oh, yes, it's hard, but only if you don't explore what vengefulness is. Hmm. Tell me more about that. Well, what do you gain by being vengeful? Not a darn thing. You gain a little bit of pride, um, a little bit of making believe that you've done something for you know, goodness, but deeper investigation shows that you've done much less than you thought. So when we do forgive, when we learn to let these past transgressions, let's call them, from ourselves or anyone else, um, when we can let those go, does that give us a sense of personal power? It, it's, it can, I think the bigger issue is how much personal weakness not doing it gives us. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, I think the illness is much greater than people acknowledge. So if you have experiences in your life that are still, like you're still stuck in, then 
that, first of all, makes us recognize that we can't handle life that well. Mm. So we have to find some rationale around that to not blame ourselves and not see things clearly. So the simple truth would be there are certain things that were just too tough in my life for me to handle. I couldn't do it, and I needed to learn. That would be the simple truth. But almost nobody gives you that simple truth. They overlay all these stories and blame and victimhood and stuff around it. So they create a, a kind of box around themselves where they don't really have to investigate themselves. And so they walk around defended and insulated and frightened. Mm -hmm. When you let go of that box and you let go of the simple truth that it's not like you have to be able to cope with any everything. You just have to recognize where you can and try to find some skills. Okay. But your level of hostility goes down and bitterness. And we all use our hostility and bitterness either in unkind ways or in ways that defend ourselves from our unkindness. So most of us are bitter enough that when we get on one-on-one, we don't recognize what assholes we are. Well, that's an interesting observation, and it's a really good lead-up to something that I've heard you say many times. A wonderful concept that you talk about is how much space in your mind do you rent out to the pain or the hurt that someone did to you or that you did to yourself? How long do you hold on to that? Or going back to the how much space do you want to give in your head? For that particular thing that has to be forgiven, that's obsessing you, how much space do you give? Can you explain a little bit about um, what you mean by that? I, you know, I think you want to be very careful to recognize how important grieving is, mm -hmm. and that that the human system appears to be when you're hurt, um, when you lose things when the world doesn't follow its um, obligations, there's a normal both emotional and brain reorganization that's required. So most of us do not practice what the Stoics practiced. So the Stoic philosophy was not to um, say that you can't be happy in life, but the Stoics recognized how unstable all of our foundation was and is. Mm -hmm. So they had us practice non-attachment and that everything ends and all that other stuff, not because they didn't believe in happiness, but that, that they knew painful things would happen. And they wanted to teach the non-attachment and the, the discipline to handle them. Most of, of us don't practice that. Like we don't, we don't look at life clearly, so we're shocked when things end, we're shocked when people get sick, we're shocked when people lie, rather than seeing things more accurately, which is all those things happen all over the place. So um, since we're not prepared emotionally and brain-wise, we need a period of integration and healing. And so that's what grief is, and it's essential. Yes. And, and you, there's no good reason to, to avoid that. So forgiveness, 
from my conception is um, like the, the full resolution of grief. It's like you feel the pain, you you welcome it at some degree in a mindful kind of, well, this is what happens on planet Earth. You suffer mm-hmm. and you investigate it and you experience it and you don't minimize it. And then the truth is after a while it goes away. And And so for minor offenses, like somebody cutting you off on the freeway, the grief could be 12 seconds. Mm-hmm. But what we have to not do is keep on bringing it back. So, you know, if somebody cuts you off in the freeway, you give them the finger, that's your grief. <laughs> Yay, I have an excuse. <laughs> if you tell four people about it, then you're lengthening your own grieving unnecessarily. Mm. So depending on the offense, depending on the level of social support, depending on the preparation, we need more or less grief, more or less telling of people. And every person kind of wanders and meanders and futzes around and finds their way through it, through, through most things. The ones that we don't resolve that grief or we practice things day to day that make it worse, those are the ones that stay around and bite us as unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some practices or some tips on how to begin to look at things that we've been carrying around with us. What can we tell people about how to go through some basic things to start to forgive? Well, I think the first basic tip is start noticing how blessed you are to be here and alive. Mm. to to find a deeper place of thankfulness that includes the crappy stuff. That would be the first, second, third um, preparation, that don't get so lost in what you didn't like. Really appreciate what you did like or, or do like. And one, the first is, you're unbelievably lucky to have this short basic experience of being here. Mm. And that's going to go away one day and don't miss it. So that would be first, like pay attention, choose to be aware of all the good that you have. That's probably 50% of forgiveness right there Mm. because you create a much better accounting system. Your, your asset deficits become more in balance. We're wired to find negative things, to take good things for granted. So that creates a very distorted accounting system. Yes. So if you can rebalance yourself simply by even the simplest things, you know, like I woke up in a bed, I had food, um, I have a roof over my head and I'm com- pretty safe today. That puts me right there, probably in the top 20% of human beings who have ever lived on the planet. So, you know, I could probably handle one-on-one a little better or handle somebody who lied to me a little better. But it's that completely distorted worldview that's the cause of all of this. Second, uh, another reminder is what you're actually doing once you have a better sense of gratitude. 
is forgiveness is not just an algorithm of whether grandma deserves to be forgiven for locking you out when you were four. It's your, the question is about your whole life. You're not actually forgiving grandma. You're actually forgiving your whole life because we're always doing an algorithm. At this very moment, is life good enough for me to be kind and open? We're, we're constantly doing that assessment. If we keep grandma nearby to remind us that it's not safe, then we're never going to answer yes to that question. But it's a global full life question. It's not just about grandma because grandma has gone. So when you um, have more gratitude, then you can answer that second question. Yeah, damn right life is good enough to be kind. And then you start practicing more kindness. Mm -hmm. You may not be able to practice kindness towards grandma yet, but at least you're getting the muscles more active. And the more you practice kindness and the more you practice good nature, the easier it becomes to forgive because they're all in the same like part of the nervous system and brain. So those are two. The third and the, the clincher in the deal, so to speak, is you have to stop complaining. And in particular, you have to stop complaining about grandma. Like there has to be a statute of limitations on your own bullshit. Mm -hmm. And nobody can do this for you. It's simply a decision. Do you want to be happier now? You don't do this if grandma locked you out yesterday. You better damn well do it if grandma locked you out 27 years ago. And, and it's simply a decision with practice. I'm not going to complain ever again about grandma. That was done. That's her problem. It's her life. I'm done blaming grandma, complaining about grandma, arguing about grandma, telling everybody how my life was ruined by grandma how it was unfair and I don't have a full opportunity in life because of grandma, all that's wasted once a certain amount of time has passed. Mm -hmm. and, and the final thing that you can practice is that basic stoic thing, but it's, well, there's suffering everywhere. It's built into the fabric here. Why shouldn't I get some? I'm part of this planet. I want the goodies of the planet. I expect food and love and work. Why do I think that I'm not going to get the part? Like, why do I think I'm going to get a rose bush with no thorns? Right. And how would we even recognize what we have to be grateful for if there isn't some contrast? I think we could find some good things without needing the contrast, but <laughs> um, I don't <laughs> I don't know. And, and the last piece, I mean, the piece that weaves through all of this is I believe in every cell in my body, we have to practice meditation. Mm -hmm. I think you have to practice some form of meditation to have some access into your mind and body. You have to, you have to at least practice directed breathing that quiets your nervous system. I, I just think that ingratitude are, they don't even have anything to do with forgiveness. They're just normal happiness life practices that we're all poverty stricken because we don't practice. It's really about healthy, being healthy. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Because a healthy response to suffering is 
you suffer and then you let it go. Mm -hmm. And you don't lie to yourself about the world. You don't try to live a fantasy of how, you know, bad things only happen to other people and, you know, I'm special and, you know, I shouldn't have to have difficulty. Those are all fantasies and everybody should love me and my partner and I should get along because I'm so great. Uh, we're always trying to impose our fantasies on this life and those don't help. But I know that with some meditation practice and with some gratitude, it's so much easier to see life as it is, not just as we like push and hope that it will be that. And, and that's, that's just true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, that level of perfection that we expect from the world, it creates resentment all on its own, doesn't it? All the time. Mm. And it's not even perfection as much as us just getting what we want. There's <laughs> nothing perfect about us. We just want what we want. We don't want things to be good for everybody. We just want things to be good for ourselves. That's true. I remember I had a group oh, decades ago, and I, it was a lot of women who had had terrible exes who had cheated on them. And mm -hmm. some of the cheating exes were five, seven years before. And I remember, like, after about the half hour of them moaning and groaning, I got frustrated. And I said, you know, I'm not, and nothing I do in forgiveness training makes it okay for people to behave badly or makes excuses for it. It just says this is the way life is. It's not, you know, it's not like you have to let people off the hook. It's, it's life itself. But I said, you guys are sitting here and, and, you know, many of you are still bitter about, you know, bad partners from seven, eight, six, nine years ago. But not one of you is the least bit concerned that as we're sitting here, there's probably a half a million people cheating on their spouses right this second. Mm. And you don't care. So you want to quiet down that, that like self-righteous outrage and recognize it's just about you. And then maybe you can get off your high horse a little bit and make some peace with life. And, and that's part of grieving, you know, is, is to recognize that, Suffering is everywhere. Sure. So does that make some sense the way I'm saying this? That absolutely makes sense to me. And, and I think it reminds me that sometimes when there is something that happened that upsets us, and yeah, it, it is all about us, but until we allow ourselves to grieve for it, we can't let go of it. And that yeah, makes it... Exactly. Right. hard to forgive right it makes it impossible to move forward in any way but that doesn't mean that we're saying that what they did was okay what it means that we're recognizing that this is maybe a lesson or you know we're not gonna look for that same type of person again or whatever it is but it's a way of moving forward with our lives well, and, and at the minimum, it gets back to what you talked about before, which is you really want to become efficacious about handling your own life. Mm -hmm. That's the, the superordinate good. I don't think and I could use superordinate good. part of this life. 
Yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been remarkably effective all over the world with this simple stuff. I mean, we go in and we teach breathing practices and gratitude practices, and we tell people to change this story a little bit, and we tell them to stop fighting reality, the simplest stuff. And, you know, because it's so simple, people can do it. It's simple, but it's not easy. Well, isn't that true of almost all good things? That's true. <laughs> Did you, you read part of my book, Forgive for Good, right? Absolutely. So the core message there is making peace with the word no. And whenever we get no to something we wanted, no matter how badly we wanted it, whether it's, you know, we wanted our kid to be alive and the kid was killed in a horrible conflict or a murder or something, it's still no to something that we wanted. And unfortunately, on planet Earth, we don't get to determine all the no's. Mm. So when you get a no and you're crazed from it with... So I had a friend whose husband died not that long ago through a medical era. And, you know, in her grief and horror, she wrote me, I'll never forgive the doctors. So I'm not going to challenge that a week after her husband died. You know, it's like, that's crazy. That, that's normal, healthy grief. Mm -hmm. Three years from now, I may challenge it. And, and, and that's where, that's the human experience. Like, there's no free lunch, but I can hopefully help her not have to remain so bitter so long. But now, it's like, of course, that sucks. You know, the, the and I got to go in a minute, but the two the two things that make it very clear to me are the biblical to everything. There is a season mm -hmm. and there's a season for suffering. And then there's a season for releasing, but you know, in the Jewish faith, like when somebody dies, you know, you sit shiver for a week and nothing happens. And then for a month you wear black and, and nothing, you know, barely functions. And then for a year, like you're the center of a community's attentions. And then at the end of your year, you're then somebody who can give comfort to somebody else. It's like, it's all, it's got to be time limited. And that's the piece that people struggle with. And that's what we help them repair. That's a really important lesson to learn that, you know, we need to have that grieving time period and we need to be able to deal with that grief. And then once we've dealt with the grief, we do have an opportunity to move on to, to look at forgiveness. And we have a responsibility to the rest of the human race to move on and try to be of help with what we learn from our own suffering. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fred, thank you so much for giving us this time. And, you know, I'd really love to let people know how they can learn more about you and about the projects that you're working on. Um, do you have one place? I know you're everywhere on the internet. But. I mean, I have a website, but I don't, I don't do much advertising of myself. If people want to find more about what I do, there's at least a hundred or more YouTube videos of me teaching all over the place. 
and the books that I've written, Forgive for Good and Forgive for Love, they're very simple, very accessible, and very helpful. They're the the distillation of the forgiveness project. And, you know, I just, I think people should forgive because it's part of the, the fabric of this life. And there are multiple ways to forgive. We just came up with a, a secular one to try to help people do it. But there are religious ones. There are, you know, it's, it's, we're all wired to both create resentment and to let it go. And we try to help people let it go. Mm-hmm. Janet, thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Fred. I hope our, we, our paths cross again sometime. I'm sure they will. Thank Take you. Care. Take care.